Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I am, of course, your host, co-host Matt Fralick. Alongside me is Eli Berkovitz. It is Saturday, June tenth, my brother, middle brother's birthday. But we are in the middle again, once again, of finalizing. I guess well, it was the finalization of the media availability OTAs earlier this week, Eli, and not a ton of news to get to um, this week. It's been pretty, I would say, um, any big buzz from what I've observed around players um, through Packers OTAs, maybe has settled down. I think the last time we recorded, we talked about Sean Ryan getting some opportunities at center. Um, He didn't fare all that well. I definitely think there was some buzz around some good throws that Jordan Love had this week, but also how much, you know, improvement he still has to go. It sounds like he's getting that hard count down quite a bit, not only fooling the defense, but also his um, offensive line, which I mean, if he's selling it that well and they're getting used to him, that's great. Um, sounded like also Tucker Craft and you know, Musgrave had some good um, opportunities of catching the ball, but overall, not a ton of stuff to kind of pull away from OTAs. Again, like I said, media availability was limited and will be going forward. So no other news Packers related, Eli, and I probably as a NFL fan um, hypothesize about this too much, but I don't actually express them on an audio podcast or a youtube stream or even twitter i kind of just like on my own degenerate time will look and be like oh who, who are some of the free agents out there in the free agency market could they fit in with the packers xyz and i think it's an appropriate time to actually you know come out of the woodwork with that and look at who is available maybe for the green Bay packers of some positions of need and i and i mean that because of where things are kind of at i th- think this week and even last we saw some uh, you know, releases and signings. Obviously, notably, DeAndre Hopkins re- is released. He's on his tour right now. He went to Tennessee. I think he's going to New England this week. Um, there's, I mean, he's been rumored to go to about four or five different teams. Obviously, within the, the division, which is kind of what prompted me to do this episode or come up with a topic for us here, is Dalvin Cook was released. Obviously, he had been considered to be released throughout the whole 
offseason. It seemed as we were getting closer, he might stay. Um, but the 27-year-old is looking for work, and I think there's a ton of suitors out there. And then on the flip side, guys that were signed, you know, defensive players, one-year deals, Frank Clark, stays within the division of his previous Chiefs, goes to the Sean Payton Denver Broncos. It's interesting to see how he'll fit in. And then Von Miller putting on his GM cap uh, gets uh, Leonard Floyd, his former teammate from the Rams, to come over for a $7 million deal. Uh, And Frank Clark signed for a $5.5 million deal, both of those for one year. So, Eli, my question to you is, you know, as we look, and we'll get kind of into the specifics of – the what the salary cap looks like right now. I love using Ken Ingles. I think he's one of the better brains when it comes to the Packers cap. And I've said this time and time again, he doesn't look at just, hey, what's available money, which I think if you look at is like as of June 1st on his pinned tweet on his Twitter account, says like 15 or 16 million. But when you get into the weeds, they still only have 51 guys on the roster. They still have to sign the practice squad. Uh, more than likely, they may or may not resign. Rayshon Gary, and then Ken always likes to factor in an X amount of dollars that they need in in season for in case someone gets hurt, they need to sign a guy, or if they want to do some stuff manipulating guys from the practice squad, signing them, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my question to you, Eli, is where do you feel like the Packers stand right now with positions or even just do you think they're going to dip their toe in into free agency as we get into you know the middle part of June and OTAs are finishing up and we're getting into mini camp and training camp season? Starting with the roster, I mean, I think a lot of people could make the argument that after drafting 13 players and obviously starting, you know, moving to Jordan Love and kind of this whole, I won't use that forbidden R word, but I'll use a different one, reload, instead of a different re-something. But I do think, like most years we see, we always, you know, talk about the Packers not making free agent signings and kind of just going under the radar. And it's like, you got to do more, you got to do more. But they do usually make some like low key signings, you know, defensive tackle, safety, this, that. And some of those low, low key signings have been guys like Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas. And we've obviously seen what turned out with both of those guys. So again, obviously the main wave of free agency is gone. The big stars. Yeah. There's Hopkins and cook right now, but we're not really in those markets anyway. So right now we're looking at basically depth guys, guys that can, you know, contribute a hand, not a handful, but you know, less snaps than a starter obviously throughout a game but just be a good reliable body and i think there are definitely players available right now that fit that mold i do wonder how much the team is going to look at them if they're so if they're all in on this youth movement they may just want to see what they have in all the rookies and all the second year guys and i would understand that and that's great but i do think you need some balance because while this team might not be thinking super bowl this year maybe not even thinking playoffs this year you don't want to go out there and and lose 14 games and be, well, at least all of our young guys played, you know, and just look inexperienced and totally lost. And I know you do need some depth and some, sorry, some veteran leadership, some experience out there on the field, both on offense, defense, and special teams, honestly. So it is going to be important for first off the veterans currently on the team to really step up because let's be real. There are fewer and fewer veterans probably than we've seen in a long time, at least established veterans on this team right now. And then if they were to bring someone in, I think they're really going to be looking for high character guys, locker room guys, leadership type of guys. And if they're going to contribute decently on the field, that's great. But I think the main thing is not messing too much with this young group and, you know, keeping the energy high. You don't want to bring anyone in who's maybe an older veteran who's like, 
I need X amount of snaps and I need X amount of targets or I'm going to be pissed off. Like, no, you need someone not selfish, come in, teach some of the young guys, play what he's asked to play and be happy with his role. And I do think there are at least some guys that are worth looking at. No, I like this. So two things. One, I think it's a little bit more um, realistic that the Packers would sign someone at this point. Obviously, we are pretty deep into the Brian Gutekunst era, and we've seen guys like you mentioned, Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas, obviously Keyshawn Nixon pops up, J. Ron Reed. Um, and these are guys over the last couple of years, and there's been other guys through the cracks that I don't have at the tip of my tip of my brain here, but where they're going to sign a guy for a couple million dollars and contribute. The second thing I want, I want to you know, bring up that you mentioned, which is, I think, a really great point is, you know, generally any organization doesn't want to bring in someone that, I mean, most organizations don't want to bring in someone that's going to, you know, stir the ship too much. Packers typically are that team. They rarely want to, you know, rock the boat and it's got to be a proper fit for them locker room wise. And I think it's especially important that you call that out right now, because as we know, they are in a, a youth movement right now. We don't have to use the word rebuild. It's just, a, it's a complete you know, youth movement of this team, only four guys over 28 years old. And part of that, I believe, is just getting into this new era with Jordan Love and this offense, kind of just getting younger overall, getting away from, hey, relying on 12 to make plays and, you know, you know, using him as your thrust to, you know, whether you're successful or not, not necessarily being a total team thing. So I think it's, if you're trying to stay under this youth movement that they're doing it's important that you're filling in those gaps now is it it's important to have veteran guys guys that you can have in the locker room that are going to be fiery and you know add some veteran leadership mercedes lewis would be one obviously he's been here a long time um still not really officially on the team and he's a free agent but overall i think those are two good points to bring up so i kind of want to set the scene here too like i mentioned i kind of flirted around with it but ken's got it right now ken ingles at ken ingles on Twitter, go check him out. Really good person. If you need to know more about the cap, he definitely dives into it a lot more than um, the typical person and gives his own perspective on how the Green Bay Packers operate and kind of gives you that inside lane if you're trying to make some some, some assumptions. So, as of June 1st, which is about what nine days since um, this episode will come out, currently the Packers only have 51 guys on the roster and they have current cap of 16.2 million. They have yet to sign three draft picks, and Ken's assuming. That Packers would like to extend um, Rayshon Gary at that point. Now, pending moves to, to still make after that is got to sign guys to the practice squad, got to obviously sign that 52 and that 53, and then some in season money, which makes up that difference. And Ken usually rocks with like $5 million into the off season or into the season. So, minus from 16.2, that $5 million, couple signings here, whatever they end up doing with Gary assumptively we're looking at effective cap of about $4.2 million. And you might be sitting here, Matt, Eli, what the hell can you get for $4.2 million? Well, like I let off the show, like Frank Clark signed for 5.5. I don't think that's a, a, a large amount of money from him. Uh, Leonard Floyd getting 7 million. I think probably just getting, I, I don't know why he's getting more than Frank Clark, maybe some negotiating, but they're still within that ballpark of the players that are out there. And I don't want to speak for Eli, but like the players I have on my list and position needs are definitely not as highly touted, at least most of them, as a Frank Clark or a Leonard Floyd. And that is more of a premium position, as we know, outside back or DN, where they're going to get after the passer and you're going to pay a little bit more for a guy like that than maybe some of the positions we're looking at. So that being said, Eli, I have my list of needs 
and where I think the Packers could make some strides. I think it's also important if there's any just players out there, luxury signings, I'll call them, that it's like, hey, this player just in general doesn't fill a need. You know, he maybe it's an offensive lineman where that's really not a need for the Packers. Maybe it is, let's say, linebacker, not a huge need for the Packers. Tight end, not a huge need, but, you know, hell, it'd be awesome to get this guy on the roster, running back for even. I don't really have any of those guys on mine, and I'm interested if you do, but I think the bulk of the episode is going to be considered about the needs in the positions. And I have four needs for the Packers as it sits right now, and they really haven't wavered all that much for me um, since the end of the season, and I should say definitely after the draft. So right now I'm looking at a backup veteran quarterback. Yes, I know Sean Clifford was selected as the fifth-round pick. I understand Danny Etling's there. It seems like Sean Clifford has the inside lane to be the number two, but I would really love if they had a vet there. Um, just for the locker room, just for that 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 room of the quarterback room. Um, so that'd be ideal there. Obviously, I want it to be a veteran. I look at vet receiver. You know, they have a lot of competition at receiver right now. Not a lot of guys that are long in the tooth. And I would love to see a couple guys, maybe a guy at least brought in. And I have a couple on my list that I'll get to. Um, the one that um, I think the next two are on the defensive side and very important. One is safety, I think. As we get to this offseason, even into early weeks of the regular season, I think safety is going to be a conversation for any pundit because it's it's so volatile right now. Levitt's still out with injury. Um, obviously, Darnell Savage, as we know, Ruby Ford, if he'll fit in, and just like where they're at with that safety position. And then the another one that I always like to call out is just an interior defensive lineman. Um, no body shaming here, but I always like to have them just like a fat defensive tackle that's a vet and they've done that year after year a uh, big body guy that can just clog up some space I like the rotation they're gonna have with those with those five main guys being Gary when he's healthy Vaness Slayton uh, Wyatt and of course Kenny Clark but I'd like to have another guy in there just to help with that rotation obviously there's other guys in that interior that'll contribute but I'd like to have a vet so those are my four before we get into specific names Curious if we overlap on our Venn diagram of potential fits, luxuries, and needs. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see, I mean, I think the needs, you know, are, uh, some are very clear, you know, I mean, safety at this point, it might feel like a little less of a need because we added two bodies in Anthony Johnson and Jonathan Owens. But I mean, Johnson's, of course, a seventh round rookie who, while I think most of Packer Nation is very high on, it's a seventh round rookie. So we really have no idea what that's going to be. And then Jonathan Owens, who's been, you know, solid, reliable tackler throughout his career, not necessarily a star cover kind of safety, but again, not a lot of proven stuff right there. So you got to worry about that. I agree, you know, looking at defensive tackle, of course, you added two guys in the draft, actually really three, I guess, if you include Van Ness and his ability to play inside, but you know, you, you want to have some veteran guys in there. The fact that outside of Kenny Clark, your quote-unquote veterans are T.J. Slayton and Devontae Wyatt, it wouldn't be a bad idea, you know, a similar to a Jern Reed kind of sighting, which I know I think you mentioned. So, you know, slightly similar to that. And then on the offensive side, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any glaring needs, but I've kind of been on this train that I don't think it would be the worst thing ever for them to have a veteran pass catcher somewhere. Even if, like, I think a receiver would probably be best just because of how young that group is, but – looking at tight end, it's plenty young too. So just someone who can kind of lead that group, not necessarily take a ton of snaps from them, but someone that can be there in the locker room. And yes, when needed, when unfortunately, inevitably, you know, people get a little bit banged up throughout the season, 
having another body that isn't a practice squad call up who we've never heard of and is realistically not going to do anything. It's like, Oh, our, our last case option, our last resort is this eight year veteran who might not be the fastest guy in the world anymore, but is going to catch the ball and run the right route and be where he needs to be. You want that for a young quarterback, you know, coming in right when you start having a guy who might not be the most dynamic, but you know, he's going to be where he's supposed to be every single snap. That's really a comforting thing to know for a quarterback. So I think that's also something that they should at least look at. I don't think they'll do anything, but at least look at. So those three, you said vet receiver, D tackle, and safety. So we're aligned there. Um, no other positions that you think that you'd like to see a signing, and you're, you're, you're pretty firm on where you'd um, like to see them? I mean, you could always add, you know, to the offensive line. Sure. You know, never bad to have depth there, especially when we've had some obvious injuries there. Still a little bit of a, you know, what's the long term at center. So it's possible there. Um, and I was trying to think, I mean, corner, I do think it's a little bit of an underrated, like, not necessarily need, but something to keep an eye on. I am very high on Carrington Valentine, though. I think, yep. I mean, a lot of people, I think, were surprised with how late he went. So I think he could be a little bit more than just your average sixth-round rookie corner. So, again, I wouldn't necessarily put it where I put those other three, but yeah. I think it's at least if, like, you know, just the perfect fit comes along, I don't think they should just look away from it. Fair enough. So it's like these are your main ones. There's maybe a secondary level, second tier. And I, I would agree. I think corner is important. I think offensive line depth just overall. But so the main three will stick to you. I'll, I'll mention, like I said, my fourth is just a backup vet QB. Um, not great if you go and look at it. I mean, there's available guys out there. But when you're looking at guys like Carson Wentz, um, not not really someone I want. Isn't it just crazy? Like a few go years ahead. ago, this guy was about to be MVP. Yeah. Tears his ACL, and it's sad. I mean, let's be real. Like, his whole everything is just like, now this is a guy that I think most fans, if their team signed, they'll be like, oh, my God, what do we just do? I don't want this guy near my team. And it's like Nick Foles just like, yo, you just, you're not that guy, pal. You're not that yeah. guy. You're not that um, guy. Like, and Carson, Carson's had an opportunity, right, where he was on you know the Eagles at that time when they were really, really stacked and still are, but then goes to – the obviously the commanders and then the Colts are like not great situations for him not great offensive lines at those moments too um but not doing himself a lot of favors turning over the ball an absolute you know a ton you mentioned Nick Foles he's on the list but both of those guys are I mean Wentz is 30 so he's younger based off this list I'm looking at uh Foles is 34 you got Joe Flacco Brady he's not going to sign with the Packers obviously Matt Ryan um Chase Daniel who great journeyman as a is a veteran backup, but 36 years old, not too fascinated. I guess the only guy on the list that I haven't mentioned that I would be somewhat interested in would be Teddy Bridgewater, 30 years old. He's done very well as a backup throughout his career. He's, he's been, you know, fairly consistent his last couple years, obviously, you know, Denver, Carolina, and then the Dolphins as of last. So that would be the only guy I'd like to see them bring in. Um, but outside of that, I, I'm not really ecstatic about there. And there's probably a reason they went and got Sean Clifford where they got him based off of what the it looked like. We know where the quarterbacks were going in that draft. And then Danny Etling still being on the roster based off probably some of the same stuff where it's like quarterbacks aren't out there great. Again, these lists we're going off of aren't complete. I'm sure there's guys on like USFL or XFL rosters that we're not getting you know, inside too. Maybe there's a potential there for all these positions we're talking about, but Teddy would be the only guy I'm even looking at at quarterback right now if they were to sign one. 
Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think a lot of Packer fans are wondering how you could leave Nick Foles out of this conversation for some reason. No, I'm not not saying I'm all over the Foles. I just – it seems like – probably the name I've seen the most brought up, at least on really? okay. Twitter. I, I mean, at least that that seems the most common to me. But, I mean, look, I, I actually do think there's value to having a veteran there. Like, you have Definitely. a first-year starter. So, yeah, like, I mean, having a veteran, like, sure, Clifford. Like, clearly, I don't think they drafted Clifford, and it's like, well, this guy doesn't show a sign great. We're just going to cut him. Like, they drafted right. him in the fifth round. He, I think, is going to make this team. So the question is, I mean, do they keep three quarterbacks? I guess with the new rule, though, it kind of helps a little bit that you could have a third quarterback on game day. But, yeah, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, even a Nick Foles, like, again, this is obviously someone that you essentially, unless they're taking a knee, you don't want to see them on the field anyway. So it's really who's going to bring the most value to Jordan Love in the film room, in the quarterback room, wherever it is, off the field. So as long as, you know, again, just someone who – Again, is not going to be a distraction, Not doesn't want attention, doesn't want to take anything away from anyone else. And yeah, Teddy Bridgewater has been a very, very solid backup throughout his career, as has Nick Foles, mostly, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, I mean, yeah, there's not really much else. I've seen no. Jake Luton on this list. Didn't we play him on the Jags once by accident? Uh, by accident. I, I feel like I, feel like I remember. Was against us. I could have been. It, the name sounds familiar. Um well, he's been around the league. Yeah, no, he definitely 
actually. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't the Jags recently, so maybe he could have been. Maybe it was a preseason game or something. But it was um, the it was the it was the COVID year when he played. Okay. Yeah, here Green Bay. Yeah, okay. It was his second career appearance. He played. Wow. He actually had a decent game. Whatever, threw one pick, a touchdown, but it's just funny. Good pull from you. Um, let's go to the receiving core. Now, I think this is probably based off the names on the list and the names we're going to have to probably throw out and where the free agency has been overall for receivers this offseason. It's going to get a little toxic here. So I have two names on my list. I probably could have dug in more. But I'm sticking from a point that's like, I want a guy that's at least under like 30 years old, if not younger. I have two names on the list, and I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with sticking with the two based off of the potential, how cheap you could probably get them based off what they've done in their career. And then their size is like my biggest thing. I think that at least the size checks a box, um, whether or not they've been consistent or I would say healthy um, as well, isn't really a factor. I think it's just the overall size that we've seen what. Um, Matt LaFleur has wanted to bring in. Um, number one, I'm going to start out with Kenny Galladay. You want to talk about Toxic, uh, a guy that's literally yeah. just fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, 29 years old, big body, 6'4". He could probably fit in. I don't know how cheap you'd get him, but it would, at least it would be a, something to kick the tires on. Um, another guy that I think might be an option would be Nikhil Harry. Like He's not that far gone from being in, at Arizona State. He's only 25 years old. Again, another big body that I think could fit in. Um, 6'4 as well, can block on the outside. But like those are the two I'm looking at um, that I'd be comfortable with. Like I said, there's a ton of other guys that are a little bit older that have a, even more you know notable names. Like we mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins, T.Y. Hilton, I think, is still out there. Um, Jake Kumaro, which I hope uh, I didn't uh, ruin, ruin any joke you were going to have. Yeah, um, unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, Julio, jo- I mean, there's other guys, but like those are the two I'd be most comfortable with based off of like, they're not super, super young and no names, but they still have some talent that you could, you could, you know, slide in there. Um, Not sure how long your list is, Eli, but I'm interested to hear what you got. Yeah. So also, yeah, I kept my list pretty short. Like you, you know, kind of, kind of what I said before, I'm either looking for someone who I think is going to be a bigger help off the field mostly or someone that I think could actually grow into something. And one person who I think kind of goes under the radar a little bit is Richard Higgins, who was with the Browns. Didn't get a ton of opportunities there. Obviously the quarterback play didn't help him a ton either, but when he did play, he got targeted pretty solid amount, had some, you know, pretty good games, pretty good seasons, multiple seasons, right at about 600 yards, which again, we're not talking about wide receiver ones. We're talking about guys you could, you know, plug and play when needed. And he's just big body, still pretty young, 28, not super young, but not old. I think he can be someone that if they just felt either some of the rookies weren't progressing enough or whatever, he could be someone that can both be like a veteran, but also someone that can kind of grow into something maybe with Jordan Love a bit. And then another one, and this probably won't be overly popular, but I think he still has value, even if he doesn't play a lot. And that's Jarvis Landry, uh, only because, again, when you talk about the veteran leadership. And also, I mean, he is obviously one healthy an extremely talented receiver, extremely talented route runner, very smart player. I don't know if you've seen, and I I wouldn't say actually influenced a ton of my decisions to bring him up, but when the Browns had hard knocks, he has a very, a very viral clip of him 
going nuts at the rest of his receiver room and really fight like and that is what I exactly what I'm saying when this young receiver group you know if it's week four and guys are maybe making some drops and missed assignments wrong routes to have a veteran in there to whip him into shape get in their faces show them look this is the NFL this isn't college anymore you got to do your job you got to do it at a high level so I think assigning like that you know again this isn't about getting Jarvis Landry back to what he was in Miami it's just what you know who you are, the ability that you have, or at least used to have, and you can give on to the to the other guys in that room. And the other name, I mean, you you mentioned it, but yeah, Nikhil Harry, he's just someone I really liked, honestly, coming out of college. Obviously, his career has not turned out as well as I thought it might have, but uh, you know, some interesting circumstances with that, uh, whether it be injury or then going to the Bears. So it's like, well, how can I ruin my career? Let's go to Chicago. Um, so yeah, twenty five years old. He's definitely not too far gone at this point where if he, uh, you know, can get a solid season or two under his belt, get some confidence going, I think he could still put together a career. It's not likely, but not out of the realm of possibility. And then lastly, not even on receiver, but just because we're talking about free agents, I don't know if you saw, we might have another name to talk about because the Cowboys just released veteran edge Tack McKinley, who, yeah, he's, you know, made some plays throughout his career. Definitely. No, it's good. That's breaking news whenever you need it. So that's that's awesome. I mean, definitely a player to kick the tires on if they wanted to. I like that you're bringing up Jarvis Landry because my guess, if I just had to look into the crystal ball and give you give an assumption, it's probably if they're going to sign someone at that receiver position, it probably is going to be a vet guy just to replace um, the Randall Cobb role and get just get some more veteran leadership in there. Now, I do, am kind of contradicting myself based off of what I said in the beginning of the show, of like they're in this youth movement, but I do think it is great to have some mentorship there. And you mentioned that Jarvis Landry could have, actually, we must have saw the same thing. That just popped up on my timeline over the last week. And um, every time it's like, damn, like that's passion, man. That's the type of guy you want in your locker room, especially, you know, in an organization at the time with the Browns, not that they've significantly turned the corner, but at the time <laughs> in a really, really horrible spot. So, um Jarvis wouldn't be a terrible guy to have as a as a mentor type dude and like looking at his contract he had last year when he was with the um and he signed very very late um with the Saints I think it was one year three million is what this is telling me I think it was like somewhat incentive based too so it looked like it was uh what regardless like that's that falls within our um 4.2 that we're trying to stick to um so solid there let's get to the defensive side of the ball Let's stick to the defensive tackle first, and we'll go then to the secondary position that we mentioned. Um, D-tackle, I think this is a, a necessity, and I would say of all the four that we're talking about is, well, maybe not. Maybe safety would happen first, but I would say this is probably, if not first, the second most likely transaction to happen, just them signing a D-tackle uh, or interior d lineman. obviously, the way that they play defense. Um, I got a couple names on the list. I'll I'll run with uh, Deshaun Ham is a, or Han, excuse me is a guy that I think they could get six three three hundred pounds. Played for the Lions. Obviously went to Bama. He's bounced around the league. I think he was on the Titans practice squad. Not a huge body, but just a guy I think that's you know talented enough that they could just plug and play if needed be in rotation. Um, two two more guys I'm a little bit more um, excited about, but are older, much older than Hand uh, would be Shelby Harris, formerly of the Broncos and the Seahawks. Obviously he was part of the the 
Russell Wilson trade, notably a couple of years ago, had like that a big play, I believe, for the Broncos in some game, strict strip sack or something like that. Um, he's actually from Wisconsin. I think he went to Kenosha Bradford. So might be an opportunity from to him to come back home and play for the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if, how much of a Packers fan he is, but I think he's a guy, 6'2", 288. I want to say he's about 30 years old, 31 years old. He could fit in. And then one that I kind of missed on my radar right away, and I guess it kind of goes one of those things if – I think I was actually listening on McAfee this week. They were talking to Brandon Bean, I think, um, specifically when they were discussing the Leonard Floyd transaction. I don't know if they were referencing him um, exactly with this analogy but or this, this um, idea, but you know, if there's a guy that harasses you enough throughout your career, maybe, or your, you know, your team and it's in their division, or a guy you see time and time again, you're like, damn it. When that guy becomes available, we'd love to get him on our team. Um, and I know he's had some injuries as of late when he was down in Florida, but Akeem Hicks would be a guy that would be awesome. Um, obviously, he harassed the Packers for a few years there. It was just like that's all he did was just was up in Aaron Rodgers' grill. I think he's like 34 years old, though, so that is like a guy that is extremely old. Based, I mean, He'd be the oldest guy on the team that they would sign. I don't know what he's got left in the tank, but – wouldn't be a bad signing. We did see, you know, last year, like the, uh, you know, this was when they're desperate kind of to get some bodies in there and they had other guys around. But when Jordan Davis went down for the Eagles, they went inside Linville Joseph and Nagama Kinsu, who are right around the same um, age as Akeem Hicks is right now. So maybe a spot that he could fall, come to Green Bay. But um, those are three players I'm on, the, on my list, generally on a D tackle or interior D lineman. Um, far less notable names that'll come across my face than it is like a quarterback or a receiver, obviously. But a couple guys that I thought would stick out that possibly could just be a run stuffer, which is something that they're trying to fix this year. Uh, any players that I mentioned, Eli, that you agree with, or is there someone or a couple that I missed that you think might uh, fit the mold? Yeah, so I did have Shelby Harris on my list. I just think the veteran, the just He's obviously put together an impressive career, good against the run, solid pass rusher, a bit older, but not so old where it's too old, but older in a good way, in my opinion, where it's like he can lead a young group, which realistically is there. I mean, Kenny Clark, of course, but the whole front seven in general is is pretty young outside of essentially Kenny Clark and Devondre Campbell. Um, but a couple of guys I thought would be interesting well, first off, this isn't really so much defensive tackle, but if you want us to talk about a luxury signing that maybe be kind of skipped over for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yannick Ngakwe still being a free agent coming off. Can still a luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, two, ten sack. I mean, a 10 sack and a nine and a half sack season over his last two years. Definitely a bit of a luxury, of course, but with Gary's injury and, you know, if, if it got late enough and the money got low enough, who knows? But in terms of defensive tackle, I think two guys that are interesting are Dwayne Smoot, who is solid against the run and is also an underrated pass rusher, four straight seasons with over five sacks, which from a defensive tackle is very impressive. And then Chris Wormley, uh, 29, Chris Wormley used to be with the Steelers. Uh, Again, solid against the run, but also a bit of a nice pass rushing ability, seven sacks in 2021. Again, interior defensive linemen are usually not racking up that many sacks, so I think those are exactly the kind of like Jaron Reed or uh, mm-hmm. Snacks Harrison kind of signings. Cheap, probably like one year, two million range kind of deals. And you got another big body veteran in the middle of your defense. So it could be interesting. 
yeah, a ton of names that we listed off. We align again on Shelby Harris. Is he the right fit for us? Not sure. Probably a little bit undersized in comparison to the big body that I'd like to fill up with the run stuffer. But um, overall, I think this is something that they need to still address because at this point, like, there's not, there's just not, it's such a need, Eli, that like the run defense needs to get better. And it's not going to get fixed instantaneously by a you know veteran D lineman. But when you're rotate, one of your last rotational guys is like a Jonathan Ford or these two rookies, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden. It's it gets kind of concerning um, if they don't have enough bodies just in general to rotate through. So maybe another D lineman that is a vet um, that can pair up with Kenny Clark and kind of just hold down that D line room, I think would be awesome. But I like the names that you mentioned. Finally, we get into the one that's probably a little bit more polarizing in comparison, you know, in conjunction to the receiver one, I would say is the safety one um, based off of my list. So three guys I have all have ties to the Packers in some capacity. Um, right now, Adrian Amos is still a free agent. Crazy that he's still available. Um, I'm not sure why that is. If he's asking for too much money, teams don't want to bring him in. Clearly the Packers have moved forward. Um, you mentioned um, not only uh, Antonio Johnson, but also uh, Owens that was brought in, and then uh, Tavarius Moore also was signed. So it's like the Packers have continued to move down the road of, hey, we don't even need really – we don't need to bring Amos in anymore. Benny Sapp obviously was brought in, but I think Adrian Amos, I don't know what he's going to ask for, what he's been asking for. At this point, I think he's just asking for more money um, because I don't remember an injury that he had at the end of the year that it that would be a concern there. And I feel like if there was, we would have heard about that as Packers fans. The next one is Vernon Scott. Again, guy that we know. Vernon never did anything too bad for us, but I do think if he were to be on the team, he'd be more of a special teamer, and I don't think they really need one right now. And the final one I have just quickly is, um, and there's a ton of safeties out there, but John Johnson's one. I don't know if they could afford him based off of the contracts he's normally signed over his career. Generally, you know, pretty big contracts. The one he signed in 2021 to go to the Browns uh, was three or 33 million. And he was released in March of this year, only completing two seasons. Um, and you might be saying, Matt, where's the connection? He was on the defense with Joe Barry at one point, kind of was a big piece that they had with the Rams there when he was drafted. So, uh, and he's only 27. So like, he's a little bit younger, obviously than Amos, a little bit older than Vernon Scott, but those are the three. There are other names on this, this list, Eli, um, a lot of veteran, like old guys, like very old guys that I would not really want them to bring in because I don't think that's just what they need. I think they need some guys that can maybe develop and just play in that system a little bit more. Um, and they're not really dealing with like on the cornerback side where it's like, Hey, we're just trying to get past this Eric Stokes injury and we're okay. It's like, no, we can't need a guy that could pay, possibly compete for a starting spot. And I don't think you want to go with a guy that's 32 plus years of age, 30 plus years of age outside of Amos that already knows the system. So I'm, I'm interested on this one, who you have, because I think there's a ton of names on here and I'm, I'm curious what you're thinking of that safety spot. Well, I got to be honest, you know, you're talking about all these Packer connections and you don't even talk about Josh Jones. I knew. Yeah, I, I left that out there for you. Second. I mean, I go, look, you stole Jay Kumaro, so it was the right thing to do. <laughs> but yeah, um, to be honest, I mean, of course, I think the name that immediately jumps out is John Johnson. Been a very solid player um, throughout his career, but I do agree. I, I don't I think he's probably going to price himself out and also like in a, in a way. He kind of he's kind of like at the point in his career where I think you sign him 
as like a contending team and this is going to be like maybe his last like main big contract and I just don't know how much sense that makes right now for that to be with the Packers considering where we are at so again similar to like you know the Jarvis Landry idea or anything else where when you look at what the Packers have right now at safety and all the additions they've made recently I don't think they're looking for someone necessarily to come in and play a ton even though they really might need it honestly but I do think they definitely want someone who can be again a leader someone who can maybe get Savage back to where he was, you know, in the end of year two, kind of why we traded up for him in the first round. Help along, of course, Anthony Johnson, the rookie. But so a couple names, I mean, LaMarcus Joyner, obviously been around, solid player, of course, aging now, 32, not going to be what he used to be, but a solid player you could potentially bring in. And then, um, I mean, special teams isn't really much of a need now, which I feel like a lot of these safeties have been, you know, um, big on. But – Carl Joseph is is an option, but you know, just looking at this at these lists of safeties, I just think there's not someone. I don't know if there's anyone that makes sense. Like John Johnson, I think would make the most sense as like a long term legit signing. But then there's no one else that I see as like young enough that can grow into a lot. And then if you want to sign a veteran, there are definitely options out there as a veteran to just bring in and play sparingly and kind of just be a leader over there. So safety. Like we said before the draft, you know, it's an unfortunate year for safety to potentially be your biggest need because the draft wasn't full of them and neither was free agency. Well, actually, free agency did have Jesse Bates and uh, Jordan Poyer, but we knew we were not in that realm. So safety, I think it's really I think they're going to go almost like and I've used this example for years as a critic as criticizing this front office, honestly, was years ago when they stuck with. MD Jennings and Jerron McMillan as their starting safety duo. And it was just like, well, this is going to work. And if it doesn't work too bad, because we're going to make it work. Well, guess what? It didn't work. Um, but I'm not comparing, of course, our current situation to that, but I do think it's similar in the sense that they're looking at the group, which you mentioned Savage Ford, John Johnson, Owens, all these guys. And they're saying, all right, out of you five or six, two of you got to step up and be the guys this year because there's just no one else to bring in. And if you suck, it's going to be a problem. If you're great, great, but there's nothing we can do about it. And I'm starting to feel like that's kind of the way they're approaching safety right now. It's strange. It's a different spot because we've actually, you funny you bring up those guys, uh, McMillan and MD Jennings. I think of guys like Atari Bigby. I think of guys like even just HaHa Clinton Dix. And that was HaHa Clinton Dix era was like, we had safety figured out. We're not so far removed from when safety was a major concern for the Packers. And we're only, you know, just coming out of that, I would say that small fraction of time, that two, three year span when Amos was there and Savage was there and Savage was playing decent ball where it's like safety was a a consistent spot. Now we're almost kind of transitioning back out of that where it's like, damn, we need to draft a safety. We need to draft a safety high. We need to go get a safety. And like, my concern, I don't think we're at that level of MD Jennings and McMillan, but we're one injury away from being in that position. And I, I just, I don't know how they address it. It might be like you said, Hey, here's four or five guys, let the best one, you know, climb to the top and see who can develop. They're all young dudes essentially. So that that's going for them. There's some, some potential there, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit volatile and we'll see what happens as we get through the, the rest of the off season and OTAs. And if an injury pops up or someone's released, because like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, there's guys that were released this week. There'll be continued surprises, releases and cuts as we get through the summer. 
Um, but let us know if there's a player out there that you think that maybe we should be considering. If there's a position we bypassed, just because Eli, Eli and I were pretty much, you know, aligned with what positions they think let us know we didn't really talk about like we mentioned the luxury signings that could be an entirely different episode but you mentioned Nagakwe. um no the guy that was just cut from front cut from the cowboys might be an opportunity so there's a ton of other guys out there but i think overall it seems like unless they're really going to be a super duper like great veteran guy in the locker room my guess is the packers are going to stick with some younger guys but let eli and I, us know tweet at us um let us know what you guys think if you haven't already subscribed to the pack a day podcast on you know google apple spotify wherever you get your podcast please do so rate review uh share it with your friends let us know what you're thinking have a nice little barbecue this weekend perhaps um safely obviously we haven't had a ton of rain around the entire united states we got fires up north so just be smart but listen to pack a day podcast keep it cozy over the weekend if you haven't checked out the youtube side of things you're screwing up i try to plug this each and every time i can whether it be on pack a day or just talking to people in general Go check out Packaday Podcast on YouTube. Andy's dominating over there. It's one of the things I kind of start my day out with each week. Um, couple that I couple over the last week that I thought were great were he had the episode about the Packers 53 man roster locks, which was awesome. Kind of broke down spots that he thinks are locked down and how many positions are gonna be fought over, similar to what we're talking about with that safety group. Uh Packers OTA recap was pretty solid. I haven't caught up yet on the most overrated and most underrated players, um, but I think those are important. Those just came out the last two days. Another one I listened to was um, the rookie expectations one, which was kind of cool. Just he kind of discussed certain snap counts guys should be getting, who they have to fill in. So it was a different kind of perspective, but go check those out. Um, I think the 53-man roster one is one that kind of got me jacked up just to kind of see where the this, this group is at. But like I said, go subscribe over there and let people know uh, or let Andy know how much he's killing because not only do we put 365 day a year audio episodes out, we also put the video episodes out that Andy's doing, and he'll have one coinciding with this episode on Saturday as you're listening to this. Um, for myself on Twitter, like I said, if you want to tweet at us about any players, positions, anything you thought we're completely wrong on, agreed on, or a player we should be looking at, please tweet at me at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. And of course, if you haven't followed Packaday Podcasts on Twitter, please do so as well. Eli, where can everyone find all the stuff you're putting out, Packers related and et cetera, um, in the summer? Yeah. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL, where really all my content will end up. But um, you can also find me, of course, every Saturday here on the Pack Day podcast, but also over at PackReport.com is where you'll find all my writing. And then um, our new show, formerly Open Book, if that's what you have known it as, with myself, Janelle Mackey, our other great co-host here today. Well, not today, but generally. And Zach Jacobson. So our new show called The Pack, um, we, again, trying to figure out our off-season schedule, but we are expecting an episode this week. We'll keep you updated on that. Head over on Twitter to the show's page at the pack underscore show. You'll find all the updates over there, so make sure to go give that a follow. And subscribe on YouTube while you're at it, at The Pack. Of course, of course. Um, outside of that, man, it's 
it's the Packers offseason. It's it's slow. It's we're pontificating about things and we're trying to figure out where the Packers can get in. But I'm excited as OTAs is wrapped up, seen some good things, but I'm getting really, you know, really itching to see them, you know, put the shells on, get the pads on and start moving around and hopefully get to some training camp this offseason since I live so damn close and I don't prioritize it. But for Eli Berkovitz, I am Matt Freilich. You guys take care, be well, enjoy all the content we're putting off during the offseason. We appreciate all your support. And as always. Go Pack Go! Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.